Hey listeners, the Culture Commentary Podcast is intended for mature audiences and may contain language or subject matter that is sensitive to some listeners. Please be advised and thank you for listening. Here we go. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Culture Commentary. I am your host, Christian to some, Chrissy to others, the girl with the big hair, the girl with the big tatas, you know, that girl, it's me, your usual. Um, <laughs> I want to start this episode by saying um, shout out to all of you. I hope that all of you are well. I hope that everyone is staying healthy. I really hope that you guys are wearing masks because according to my social feeds, far too many of you are out in these clubs where I'm not seeing no masks. But it's not my business. Do y'all do your part to try to keep yourselves healthy and all of us healthy um, and safe. I have gotten so many messages lately, subtle and otherwise, of folks checking in on me, which... I appreciate, but also folks casually prodding like, hey girl, are you still podcasting? Are you still blogging? Are you, are you still active on your channels and platforms? And the answer is that I have not been. Um, If you're listening to this, you know that this is my first episode in quite a while. So much has happened since uh, my last episode. So much has God, we've seen so many things occur. We've seen so much loss. And um, before I go any further, I want to apologize in advance. This episode may be a little different than some of the others. This episode may not sound as crisp or as clean um, in terms of me and just how I'm feeling and where I am. You might not get my fully rehearsed self on this episode. My native accent may very well jump out (laughs) in this episode Um, because, y'all, I'm just tired. And that's part of the reason why I haven't been creating anything. Um, I have been dealing with life lately a lot. I have had immense servings, repeated servings of humble pie being fed to me in one way or another um, in the last few months. And nothing specific has happened to derail my life or anything like that. From the outside looking in, you know, I I know that it looks like everything is good. I I am blessed. I will never claim not to be blessed. I truly am. Any day that you make it to the wake-up list is a blessing. Um, But even in being blessed, you're not blessed without challenge. And I've been dealing with some personal challenges as far as, you know, coming to terms with some things I'm not satisfied with in my life, whether that be personally or professionally, um, dealing with and learning how to admit some of my shortcomings, some of the ways in which I stand in my own way, um, some of the ways in which I am an active participant in my own strife and struggle and stress. Um, And I think these are things that many of us have faced in one form or another lately. But 
I just want to apologize because with all of this been going on and all that I'll probably eventually talk through on this episode, um, I just I don't have the strength to be performative. I know that we're seeing that word thrown around a lot in the social spaces lately. There are a lot of performances all the time. Um, we perform as black people when we go to work. We perform in front of our colleagues. We perform in our professional circles. We perform, many of us have been performing all 2020. We're pretending to be okay when we're not. We're pretending that we're just going to keep on keeping on in the face of constant loss and grief and stress and worry, racial turmoil, which is nothing new to us, but just the lengths at which people are going to invalidate our experience to paint over streets and put band-aids on gunshot wounds of racial violence against people who look like me and you, some of you listening, many of you listening, you guys know exactly what I mean. Um, it's just been a lot. So I am deciding here and now that this episode, if unlike many of my others is unrehearsed, there is no outline for this episode. Usually I keep a neat little outline to follow on my phone. There's none of that. Is that because of all the performing that I and many of us have been doing lately, I am deciding here now that I will not be performing on this episode. I don't even know what all I'm going to cover in this episode, to be quite honest, but whatever it is, you can rest assured that as always, it will be real, it will be authentic and unfiltered. So I wanted to give you guys that heads up at the beginning of the episode in case that's going to be an issue for some. If that's an issue for you, no hard feelings. I understand if you need to bow out right now for your own mental health. But if you want to rock with me, I appreciate you even more. So here we go. All right. So the reason I am returning to the mic tonight um, is because my emotions are all over the place right now. I mentioned earlier that life has been serving your girl spoonfuls and forkfuls and platefuls of humble pie right and left lately. Um, you know, I have had to come to terms with some of the ways that I'm standing in my own way, some of the ways that I am being a hindrance to my own success. Some of the issues I have uh, with like imposter syndrome and doubting myself and all of these things that I know many black professionals go through, especially black women. Uh, at the same time that we're trying to be superheroes, super women for everybody else and even ourselves, we also get in the shower at night a lot of the times and some of us cry because that's the only time we get to do it by ourselves. Or some of us do all of these things and put our all into every task we take on. And then when we're commended for it, we don't know how to accept the compliment. Or we downplay our greatness to some extent. So I've been dealing with the fact that I do all those things too, just like everybody else. Um, I... <laughs> It's just it's just been one thing after another. And for the most part, I'm sitting here tonight because I'm at the point where 2020 has officially exhausted me. 
2020 has been a year full of challenges for black and brown people. Um, it has been full of just any and everything you could think of. It feels like we have just been taking blow after blow after blow from this year relentlessly. It feels like every day there's another bit of bad news. Um, and it's just not letting up. And I'm on here because for the past two hours, I've been sitting here grappling with the most random news that I could have thought would come out today. But that has hit me to my core and many of your cores at a level that I don't think any of us expected. Um, tonight we got the news that actor, philanthropist, true life king and superhero Chadwick Boseman has died at the age of 43 after a long four-year battle with colon cancer. And my social media feeds are continuing to blow up. I have shared and retweeted more in this past two hours than I have in a very long time because I think I'm sharing in the sorrow of all of you out there who also didn't expect this news and who are shaken to your cores by it. To, to see that Chadwick Boseman, the man who brought King T'Challa, the Black Panther, to life on the silver screen for us, him and the rest of the team, but the way that he embodied that role, he made us feel regal. He made us feel pride on another exponentially higher level than we already do. He made our children see themselves in a superhero in a way that they hadn't before. And to find out that all of these iconic roles he's taken on in the past four years, he did those in between surgeries and chemotherapy treatments. It's just so disheartening to think about, but it also speaks to the character he had that he would use his last days to represent us and do it well. I'm shaken by that. And I know you are too. All right. So I'm going to apologize because I definitely lost my train of thought. Um, for all the other challenges that 2020 has brought in the past couple days, it's also kind of made me a tech expert. Not really air quotes there. Um, so side note. I use a MacBook. I got a MacBook when I was in college and needless to say, it ran out of memory a long time ago. And in the past couple of days, I was forced to finally like save everything that I needed off of it and reset it so that I could finally upgrade software and all that jazz. And in the process, I totally forgot to uh, download Google Chrome for my browser because when I record episodes, um, Regular old Safari only lets you record like five minutes at a time, which those of you who have been listening for a while know that that will get old really quick, like it just did. So I had to take a minute <laughs> to upgrade my stuff, uh, or at least get that back so I could record uh, at a pace that makes more sense. Anyways, back to Chatwick. Um, echoing all of the sentiments being expressed all over Twitter and elsewhere right now, it is so disheartening for me to think about the fact that this man was noticeably frail on red carpets. His weight was noticeably fluctuating up and down. 
um, he looked tired. He was talking about how he was tired of doing the Wakanda forever. People made jokes out of that. And to now realize that he was sick that whole time. This man was diagnosed with colon cancer at age 39. And he just died at age 43. And for someone like us, me in my mid-20s, some of you listening, um, and just those of us who have been adults long enough to understand the an adult concept of time, 43 is so young, so young. Um, it's disheartening to think about the fact that this man was suffering and he chose to still give us his art. He chose to use his, his time to... Um, give something to us to leave all of these trailblazing, iconic, legendary performances behind. I mean, the just the resilience that it takes and the strength to say, I'm still going to show up for work. I'm still going to audition for roles. I'm still going to take on these huge culture forming, culture shaping and impacting pr- um, movie roles in between chemotherapy treatments and surgeries for my illness. And the fact that he had to hide his illness because he never said anything about being sick. People speculated, um, but I didn't even see that being a large scale conversation. I know that I had heard in passing people say, you know, Chadwick's looking a little, little thin. Yeah. Maybe he's got a little something going on, but it turns out he, he had a big something going on. And I just hate the thought that the internet has become a playground for people turning any and everything into a joke. And everything is not a joke, y'all. And I know that as Black people, Black people, not, not even in the context of 2020 and all of its bullshit that it's thrown at us, but just in general, we have generations of trauma and torture and pain on our backs, oppression, you know, um, inequity in the workplace, in life in general. We So we've run to humor as a coping mechanism. And I'm not saying anything new. I know that we all know this to some extent. We've all talked about this, especially in educated circles. We do as white people, we turn to humor to lighten things to make us feel a little better, to lift our spirits in the midst of all that is tough for us. But it's been upsetting in the past couple months to see just how dark the internet has made that humor. It used to be us laughing at stupid things, silly things. Um, But now I'm seeing people turn jokes into people looking sick. I'm seeing people turn a young woman being shot by a man in a car into a joke because y'all have spent weeks now debating the Meg the Stallion versus Tory Lanez situation, which fuck Tory Lanez, to be honest, if y'all want to know where I stand, which it should be obvious, but there you go. Um, Megan the Stallion was shot in her feet by this grown man because she wanted to get out of the car And he didn't want to let her. And I haven't watched her full Instagram live. Um, I haven't gone back to watch any recordings of it. But I do know that she finally confirmed that he was the shooter, even though we all knew that. Um, But I've been so upset in the past couple weeks 
just to see people laughing at it and making light of it and just treating it like it's not a serious thing because Megan is a sex positive rapper who talks about her sexual desires, her her needs, her wants um, in ways that men have forever, literally since hip hop was invented. (laughs) Um, It's never been a problem for a man to get on a track and say slob on my knob like it's corn on the cob. It's never been a problem for a man to say, shake your ass, watch yourself, danger, get beside yourself. I know I came in with my dick in my hand. Like y'all ain't had no problems with none of that. But as soon as Meg and Cardi get on here talking about they want you to do something till they wop, y'all have a problem. And it's just really interesting, this this imbalance. But going back to the point, um, the Internet has become a playground just for people not being nice to each other. And I studied this all through school. I've seen it firsthand. I've been on the front of it. Hell, this year, the damn barbs came after me because... <laughs> On some Instagram post talking about Nikki, I had said something about she doesn't even look like herself anymore. She had looked like she's gotten work done. She looked like her skin might have been lightened or something. Um, whatever picture they had posted was either heavily retouched or sis done food with her body a little too much. And I said something about it. And, of course, her oh-so-delightful fans uh, started coming for me and doing what people do. Coming on my page, talking about some you ain't got no neck. And you need to be getting on somebody's treadmill and you got so much to say, but you need to lose some weight and this and that, which is funny to me how um, people behind screens go to pick with the obvious. Because if y'all think that I don't spend 25 years with my mama's neck and I didn't know I had my mama's neck, I need y'all to chill. <laughs> I'm well aware. Y'all ain't telling nobody no news. But OK, sis, if that's what make you feel good today, do what you do. You know, anyway, um, just the fact that people will jump down each other's throats on the internet over people that don't know us and just the way that we pick people apart in general. Like what I said about Nikki, I wasn't saying it in a malicious way. I was meaning it in an observant way. Like body dysmorphia is a thing, especially in Hollywood. So I was just commenting on the fact that she doesn't look like she used to look. And, you know, Hopefully she isn't headed down that that direction of messing herself up like some people have done. Um, But everybody thinks that any point of criticism or any suggestion that's uh, countering their opinion is like a, a jab. And that's not what it is. I think that social media and Internet communication in and of itself has really hindered our communication skills with each other. People don't know how to respectfully disagree anymore. People don't realize that everything doesn't have to be an argument. Like, I can think whatever I think over here, and you're allowed to think something different, and we can still coexist and be fine and just respect that we have a different opinion on it. Um, But instead, it has to be this huge thing. And then, like I said, when it comes to people like Chadwick, whose appearance might change as far as, like, looking healthy versus looking like something's going on, People will even turn that into humor. And I think that that's dark. And I think that it's a scary place to be. Um, I think that we need to really take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves why we're so okay with trying to make any and everything the butt of a joke. Like, we're to the point where 
when people die on Instagram, there's somebody finding a way to laugh at it. And that's not okay. That's never going to be okay with me. And I truly hope that we can address that. Um, I think that what one thing that Chadwick's passing is quickly bringing to light is the fact that we need to reevaluate that amongst ourselves. We need to call each other out on that um, because it, it's it hits different to have witnessed people talking about this man's appearance and laughing at it. And now that he's gone and we realize why he looked the way that he looked and that why he looked tired is because he was. He was tired and he was very ill and he was still trying to push through all of that to show up to press junkets and do press tours and do full movie shoots and all of the things that go into the movie making process. I think that as outsiders um, who either, you know, just aren't that involved in, in movie making or people a lot of people are just viewers and consumers of media in the form of movies, but don't necessarily know a lot about what goes on behind the scenes. Shooting a movie is way more than just showing up to set and shooting scenes. That's arguably one of the smaller parts of the movie making process. After it's done for actors, there's a whole marketing section of the movie that has to happen. You got screenings leading up to premiere day. You have formal premieres. You have um, interview days and, and weeks of interviews where they sit in a hotel room or wherever they're at. And um, interviewers from various media outlets filter in throughout the day, all day long, asking questions. And they just have to sit there and do it. That's their job. To think that this man was going through colon cancer in stage three and four dealing with trying to seek treatment for that, but also showing up for all of these long days and nights for his job. Um, I think it's just very sobering for someone like me. Um, I've been struggling with being creative lately. Those of you have, who have followed me for a long time, y'all know that the culture queen goes through her spurts where we reel on top of content and then there are spurts when we're not. And between coronavirus and just my crazy work schedule this summer and all of everything going on in my life, creating has been on the back burner for me. Um, in many ways, it's like I had so much to say, but I also didn't want to say anything. In many ways, I have felt myself buckling under the pressure that I put on myself and just the pressure of being Black in America the pressure of being a young black professional in this America, um, of being a young black professional who is dealing with what many of us deal with, being overvalued and underpaid and feeling like we should be so much further in our career or through toward working toward our goals than we actually are. Um, and I know that everything happens for a reason. I know that in the theoretical sense, each and every one of us is exactly where we are supposed to be at this time. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's always an easy concept to grasp and accept. And while I'm now doing some work to try to uh, work through some of those things and overcome some of those challenges I've been feeling, that's a lot of the reason why I haven't been around. Um, you know, 
it's just coronavirus has been a lot. And I think that's why Chadwick's sudden passing and us suddenly finding out, you know, that he was suffering through all of this for so long and none of us knew it never leaked, which let me say, let me say his camp and his team is a one for that. Cause look, Hollywood is not a nice place. People leak people's personal business all the time. I mean, poor Vanessa Bryant found out about Kobe's passing when, when we did on TMZ, which is awful. So that's the kind of playground that, that Hollywood can be. And the fact that this man was going through this for as long as he was and it never got out, I commend his team um, around him, his family, his friends for that level of loyalty because uh, you don't see that often. But – like I said, I think that his passing tonight is just the news of it. It just shakes you because we have been through so much in 2020. It Somebody online said that it feels like we've been on a train of despair that just keeps going and won't stop. And between, and I can't agree more because between losing Kobe uh, shortly into the new year it's been downhill ever since and I'm not gonna say that you know Kobe Bryant's death marked the beginning of this period I'm not gonna say anything like that what I'm saying is that this year has been full of one challenge after another especially for black people especially for black American people um, we have lost so many of our icons we have lost so many of our giants we have lost so many everyday people who look like me and you and our family and our friends that it's unreal. We have seen police violence in, I don't, I can't say unprecedented amounts because there's always been police and vigilante violence in America because, you know, hashtag racism. Um, but just the trauma porn of it all. The fact that it seems like every time I open my eyes and turn around or or blink, there's a new video of some black person being victimized by a police officer or a group of officers or some white nationalist groups antagonizing folks. It, it's just, it's been a lot. It has been a lot. And you pair that, that stress with a global pandemic that our country's leaders have completely dropped the ball on handling completely. It, it's just so much. And that same virus disproportionately affects black people because we live in communities or well, not as a, not all of us, but you know, in terms of statistics, right? Black people are disproportionately in poor communities. Black people are disproportionately essential workers. Black people are disproportionately in areas that do not have adequate health care, education, um, and food access. All of those things play a part in the health of Black people. And so if you have people who are growing up and living and trying to make a way in these areas that are under-resourced, over-policed, over, uh, overly infested with drugs and just negative influences versus positive influences 
as I said to a friend recently, in many of these areas, it is easier for you to get a criminal record than it is to get a quality education or than it is to get um, exposure to things that can set you up to try to make forge a different life for yourself. You pair all of that in the context of black physical and mental health. We are already at a disadvantage because of all those other things. And even for those of us who didn't, quote unquote, grow up in the hood or grow up in, you know, these stereotypical situations, we still have our, you know, those folks have their own challenges, too. I grew up going to predominantly white schools and baby, (laughs) they didn't call me the N word to my face or anything like that. But there were definitely microaggressions in all of my schools. Um, I went to a Division one PWI here in my home state, you knew which classmates questioned the validity of you being there. You knew who didn't want you to sit next to them in class. You knew when you walked in your honors class as the only black person, uh, when all those other eyes looked at you questioning like, is she lost? You knew what they were thinking. And yes, that is small potatoes compared to what some of our brothers and sisters go to, go through, excuse me. Um, But the point of the matter is that we all have these various points of struggle, these various challenges that we deal with, and these various barriers to success and health and wellness that we're constantly striving to overcome. Um, And all of that takes a toll on our bodies. We're human beings just like everybody else, even though a lot of people don't seem to realize that, even in this year, 2020. But we are. We are very much human. And it's important just as important for us to be able to care for our bodies, our vessels, as it is for other people. So because we have systemically been been put in these situations um, in which in many ways we're set up to fail in terms of our health and wellness, when you factor in a global pandemic with that, you know, we're going to be disproportionately affected by that too. So I think that for many of us, and especially speaking for myself, 2020 has just been a struggle of trying to overcome uh, stimulation overload in terms of just struggle and pain and grief and being sad and being upset and being confused and being enraged and all of these things in like a pattern. Sometimes the pattern overlaps, you know, those different emotions overlap each other. Sometimes I find myself feeling all those things at one time. Sometimes I feel myself feeling them one at a time. And I know I'm not the only one dealing with that. But that's why when we get to this evening and we find out after having no heads up, no no way to prepare for the news that we got about Chadwick, that's why it hurts that much more. It's just like, damn, something else. And I think that we're collectively getting to the point where we're like, okay, look, we don't know how much more we can take and handle. Um, It's rough. So I do want to take this moment to encourage anybody who's listening. If you have found yourself in a space the past couple days, the past week, the past month, or all of this year, if you have found yourself struggling to stay sane, I want you to know that you are not by yourself. If you have found yourself in different periods of just feeling melancholy or sad or down or unmotivated, feeling like all of the steam 
has just blown out of you. You don't have anything left. If you find yourself feeling empty, like you keep giving to everybody else, but you really don't have anything left to give, I want to stress to you that you're not by yourself. But even more than that, I want to stress to you that it's okay to say that you're not okay. Um, Candid moment. I kind of touched on some of my professional woes. Uh, Last week, I had a family member call me out. Because I told y'all, I'm like everybody else. I try to do the black superwoman thing. I ain't going to let y'all see me sweat, even if I'm breaking inside. Um, Somebody pulled me to the side, and they're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what do you mean, what's wrong with me? I'm fine. Don't Ain't nothing wrong with me. What you mean? No, what's wrong with you? Still, I tried to play it off like nothing was wrong. And I'm like, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. It's cool. I mean, yeah, I'm kind of down, but I'm going to be all right. No need to worry. I really don't want to talk about it. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to talk about it because this is the second or third time in the past week that I've spoken to you or seen you. And I can tell that your spirit is off. What's, What's up? So in the process of me opening up to this person, they were like, okay, well, it sounds like you need to take some time to yourself and you need to take some time off. And me being the the all, all hands in worker that I am, sometimes borderline workaholic, like even if I got to stay up all night and sacrifice eating and run into the restroom, it's going to get done and it's going to get done right and on time. I'm that person. I'm like, what you mean take some time off of work? Ain't nobody got time to take off from work. Work, There's work to be done. I have to do it. What do you mean take off? <laughs> and so I kind of blew it off at first. But when I was working late last week, like after that conversation had happened, I got to a point where I felt myself totally disengaged from what I was doing. I felt myself being totally disconnected from caring about what I was doing. Like I was still getting the task done, but there was no investment in it. And I was in a very much F you, F this, F y'all, F this job type of mood. And, you know, I don't say that to be unprofessional. I think that's a very human thing that we all go through at some point or another. And it forced me to really think about, okay, Maybe this person is onto something. Maybe I do need a break. And I asked for that break. And thankfully, I have a leader who is very um, concerned about their workers. And when I was very honest about, like, I'm not okay, and I have not been, I have, I've been neglecting my own wellness, trying to be there for everything and everybody else but me. And I need to address that so that my performance doesn't suffer. Um, you know, they were very understanding of that and, was, and were like, do what you need to do. Know that I'm here for you, you know, and it worked out. I know that not everybody has the luxury of being able to take off of work. I know that a lot of y'all are struggling because y'all are out of work right now. And so, um, and I'm sorry if me talking about work stuff seems, um, what's the word? Seems bratty or just, um, off the mark right now because I know that there are a lot of people who are struggling financially because of COVID. 
because their work, home, and life situation has changed due to the pandemic. Um, so I don't mean to sound ungrateful or shallow or dense or any of those things. Um, what I'm saying is, and the point that I'm getting ground to is, no matter what your situation is, if you feel yourself and your mental health slipping, address it. I know that it's hard to admit it to yourself. I know that sometimes you just want to take a couple days to sulk and lay on your couch or lay in your bed, watch your Netflix, sleep all day, eat everything in the refrigerator, and then go to sleep and wake up and do it all again. I know what that's like. And I know that many of us have dealt with that at some point or another during this pandemic. But baby girl and baby bruh, God has greatness for you. And while weeping may endure for the night, as the good book says, joy will come in the morning. We can apply that to many of the things that we are all dealing with right now, but I'm here to tell you it will get better. And if you feel yourself in a dark place, it's okay to admit that, but I want you to try to get some help. Whether it's talking to a friend that knows how to be there for you, whether it's seeking therapy resources in your area, therapy for black girls is a wonderful, wonderful resource for black women to try to see about uh, therapy in their respective areas. There's also services like Talkspace, uh, which do online therapy. And um, I know that a lot of cities also have various resources uh, for either discounted therapy, therapists that take insurance. If you don't have insurance, um, there, there's usually something. So what I'm saying is I encourage y'all to seek out those resources and make use of them, especially now. Because I would argue that all Black people need therapy for one thing or another because of just all the things that we inherit and carry on our shoulders. Um, being Black is still a beautiful, amazing experience that I would not trade for anything, but it also has its, its points of challenge. And for us to be dealing with as many negative, hard blows as we have this year, it's all the more important for me to have that conversation. Go get you some help if you need it. There is no shame. Lean on lean on your village. Lean on your circle. If you got somebody in your circle that you're always there for, but they can't be there for you when you need it the most, cut them off. In the words of Kid Fury and Crystal of the Reap podcast, break up with him. Break up with her. Because this is not the time for shaky people in your life. And high key, that just jogged my memory. Um, I saw a sermon earlier during the pandemic. This pastor said that he does not think God created the pandemic, but he does think that God can use the pandemic. And whatever God you believe in, even if you don't believe in God, you prefer to believe in the ancestors and the universe and all of that. I don't care who you believe in personally. Do you, boo-boo? Do what works. Uh, over here, we love the Lord. Um, <laughs> and my point is that I do think that 2020 is a year of transformation for many of us. I think that 2020 is meant to knock some of us to our lowest point, whether it be emotionally or otherwise, so that we can rise up and be something bigger and better um, in the time that lies ahead. Um, and I would include myself in that number. I think I've had to face some harsh truths with myself and, you know, come to terms with some of my own shortcomings and things that I need to actively work to improve so that I can reach my my highest potential, unlock my highest potential, reach my best self, or at least 
make some jumps and strides toward becoming that woman that I know I'm destined to be. And I know that the same holds true for many of you. I've seen so many of my friends, uh, their businesses take off, their platforms take off. And at times I felt guilty because I don't feel like I'm in that number. But at the same time, um, I understand the importance of acknowledging where you're at. And I just haven't been in a space to be out here creating content just for the sake of doing it. Y'all know I'm always about quality over quantity. I'm always going to be about quality over quantity. And so I'm not going to bring y'all no mess. But safe to say, get you some help if you need it and hang in there. I'll be right back. Psst. Hey, culture fam. You, you, listen right now. Yeah, you. I got some news for you. Quick announcement, all right? So previously, the Culture Queen blog and the Culture Commentary podcast shared an Instagram at the Culture Queen. But the podcast now has its own Instagram handle. So go follow it for all podcast-related updates, clips, and the like at culturedcom underscore pod. That is cultured, K-U-L-T-U-R-E-D, com, C-O-M-M, underscore pod, P-O-D. All right. Back to the show. All right. So... I've talked at length about Chadwick and and other sad shit, Uh, but some of you might be wondering, okay, well, this girl says she's been handed a bunch of humble pie, so what's the tea? Listen, listen, babe. Um, (laughs) I think the humble pie just comes in in different forms. Like, there's the whole work thing I've talked about, talking about, you know, Uh, acknowledging some of my own shortcomings and trying to work past those or trying to work my way up to the point where I can work past those. Um, My mama saw a vibrator at my house last weekend and they randomly mentioned it in a text message. And I know that some of y'all are probably going to rewind that back. Yep. You heard it correctly. Uh, One of the most embarrassing moments of my life. We're literally texting like end of the night shit. (laughs) Like, hey, hope you had a good day. Have a good night. Da-da-da-da-da. Look at your brother. He's doing something silly. Oh, by the way, I saw your bad kitty bag over your house. I'm like, bad kitty bag? Yeah, you might want to move that before you have company. What are you talking about? She said, and I quote, your lady toy, ma'am. Ma'am. Y'all, there are a few things on this planet more horrifying than your mother. Like, as an adult woman... And I would imagine adult males as well would be horrified. But listen, y'all know we don't we don't be talking about the sex with our parents like that in our community. It's just I mean, like some people do. But for the large majority of us, we don't like when I was a teenager, I never had a formal sex talk like ever. I just kind of like figured the shit out on my own, (laughs) to be honest. Um. Whatever that looked like, it was a lot of Googling, like, and I'm very inquisitive in in nature generally. So, like, when I got to the age where I wanted to know how things work, I mean, I went to figure out how things worked. But safe to say, like, she and I never sat down, like, with a, okay, so, hey, when a man likes a woman or a a woman likes a woman or a man likes a man, because, you know, I'm very inclusive over here. We acknowledge that not all relationships are hetero. Period. When people are attracted to each other, here's what happens. There was none of that. Um, To be honest, I was always kind of glad there was none of that because 
I grew up in the era of the American Girl, Your Body and You book that some of us have very cringy memories of when our mom sat down and walked through the book with us to tell us about puberty and all the things that happened to your wonderful little girly body through that period. Uh, it was a lot. So that was awkward enough. <laughs> I mostly steer clear over like those types of conversations with my mom. <laughs> Even though I know that she's there to talk if I need it, I just kind of prefer not to. It's no reflection on her at all. It's just like awkward for me. So if I had to just hit me in the text, like, yeah, you might want to uh, put that away so nobody else sees it. I was just like, y'all, I literally screamed reading my phone. My face was the wide-eyed emoji in real life. Um, so I'm saying, like, things like that humble you. You'd be like, damn, my mama done seen some stuff she really wasn't supposed to see. All right. Okay. All right. And my mama was even like, there's no reason to be ashamed, which not that I'm not ashamed. I mean, we're all grown here. Uh, and if you're still listening and you like cringing, I gave y'all a language like warning at the beginning. So there, viewer discretion advised. We have that for a reason. We can have these adult conversations here on Culture Commentary. Why? Because we all grown and we have grown conversations about life and part of life and especially when you are a middle 20-something single woman, um, just because you don't have a partner to have sex with does not mean that you don't have needs. So a lot of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of the men that's cringing, we know that y'all have needs too. And if you ain't got no problem with you and your boys out here sowing seeds and doing what y'all do to meet those needs, then do not be on here trying to judge nobody for having no, no adult novelties, okay? All right. I'm going to sit that where it is. But yes, that was a slice of humble pie. That was like two days ago. I, I cringed. I died. Uh, she got a good cackle out of it. She's like, you you alive? You back? I'm like, nope, I'm still dead. Um, and she going to tell me, go gather myself and have a good night. Wow. Like, ma'am, you just sprung that on me out of left field. Uh, but oh, okay, just dismiss me then. Um, so there's that. What else? Um, having to learn how to be the friend that opens up to her friends and not just the friend that allows friends like them to open up to me. That's been another humbling experience because like in the midst of me doing a lot of soul searching lately, like my best friend and I are super tight and we're there for each other no matter what. But I find sometimes it is very hard for me to open up about my problems to her and my other close friends, um, as opposed to the ease that I have with listening to their problems, being there for them when they need somebody and all that. For whatever reason, I hesitate to, you know, be like, you know, hey, I'm going through something. Can, can I talk to you? And sometimes I don't even want advice. It's just like having that person and that springboard to vent to if you need it. I'm that person, like, I ain't got no problem letting people vent to me, but I have a, I, I hesitate to vent to other people. I don't fully know why that is yet. Excuse me. Um, haven't done a lot of searching as to the source, but in some of those conversations lately, you know, it's required me to be very vulnerable on a new level with my friends. And um, like I said, it's no reflection on them. I know that they're there for me. It's just 
hard for me to let people see me sweat. Like I said earlier, you know, um, I will say that this season, though, has also brought me closer to some people. It's brought me closer to some of my older cousins who are uh, just enough ahead of me to have been where I'm sitting already and overcome it to let me know, you know, it's going to be okay. They are graciously um, guiding me through this period of like just personal transformation. Like, girl, you got this. It's okay. Um, We're communicating more often than we did, which is a very wonderful, beautiful thing. Lord, I didn't turn my sound off. My bad, (laughs) y'all. You know, I, I feel myself being drawn nearer to people I hadn't talked to in a while, which is also good. Um, And like I said, you know, just unlearning some behaviors that don't serve me, um, but also being receptive and open and welcoming to some of these uh, new habits and trying to forge new habits. I'm not perfect. I mess up all the time. But the fact that the silver lining, I guess, in this season is that it is a season of growth to some extent. Um, It's been hard. I do anticipate that it may continue to be hard, Um, but I do think that there is beauty in the struggle to some extent. That's not to glorify struggle or anything, but just to say that even in the hard times in life, there are still things worthy of being grateful for, worthy of celebrating and highlighting. And so... um, Even though I know that most of us have had some form of a rough time at different points or for some of us continuously or or whatever, um, there are still good things. And I'm grateful for those good things. I'm grateful for the good people in my life. Um, I have felt myself or found myself, excuse me, opening up to, you know, my relationship with God a little more. I didn't grow up in church conventionally. I know that a lot of people have memories of going to church every Sunday with their parents. That wasn't the case in my household. Um, But, you know, still I was taught to pray. I saw who God is. I know that looking around at everything in this world, it was created by one person. That's what I believe. Um, If For people who don't believe that, you know, I respect their opinion on whatever their belief system is, but that's just what I believe. And, um, I'm grateful to have that sort of foundation of having someone to lean on and something to lean on, even in the toughest times. Uh, I have said multiple times through the pandemic, I don't know. And I really feel for people who don't believe in something or somebody in terms of a higher power, um, because sometimes that's the only thing that pushes you through. Um, I'm grateful for the fact that I have gotten to the point of praying more uh, personally I I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes I remember being young at church when I did go to church and stuff or like when I visited church with other family members and things like that. Sometimes prayer does seem a little performative in church settings. You know, they get down with the old heavenly father and father God and blah, 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 blah. And that's well and good. Yes, call on them, call them by name. But also my grandmother... In the time we spent together recently, um, I have felt really good in being affirmed by her. She's like, Christian, I'll talk to God just like I'll talk to you and everybody else. 
And I'm like, me too, girl. <laughs> he know he definitely knows me my name. Cause when it gets rough, I just be like, Lord, help. <laughs> Lord, throw me a net. I, I need you, I need your assistance. Um and so sometimes it's as easy as that, but I also being who I am and what I do. I write down a lot of my prayers. Uh, if you are a person who likes journaling and things like that, I highly recommend. It is very cathartic if that's something you've never tried before. Um, but yeah, so I feel like all in all, I'm rambling. I do apologize. <laughs> I told y'all this was going to be a little different in terms of how the episode is structured. But my point is that even in the challenges of coronavirus, even in the challenges of the racial revolution, that uh, we are watching unfold. Uh, shout out to those who went to the March on Washington today, which marked the 57th anniversary of the original March in 1968. Um, or 67, sorry, can't count. <laughs> um, even in the midst of all that, and all the pain that we as Black people have been carrying all year long, there have been little glimmers of hope. Uh, another glimmer of hope is that apparently... Student loan uh, interest is being waived for a period of time. I shared the article on my Instagram last week. Um, I would highly encourage those of you who have student loan debt and deal with that to go Google this that I'm talking about. I'm going to try to see if I can find it for y'all real quick. Where is the screenshot? It looks like, oh, the article that I posted was from Forbes online. It says a federal student loan payments officially suspended until 2021, 0% interest, no collections and non-payments count toward forgiveness. I highly recommend that if you have student loan debt, go look that up. Um, the article included some information about uh, like if you want to continue making payments uh, instead of like regardless of them being waived. So it looks like it says, and I quote, borrowers have the option to continue making payments during this time. Such payments will be allocated to the principal of the loan, enabling borrowers to pay off their loans more quickly and at a lower cost. Basically, because interest is being uh, waived right now, you're just going to be paying on the actual loan itself. You're not going to be drowning in interest fees. And because of that, your amount owed is going to dwindle a lot faster. So if you have the means to work on your student loan debt right now, highly advantage that you, uh, excuse me, highly advantage. Wow, Christian. I highly advise <laughs> that you take advantage of uh, that. Look it up on Forbes.com. Uh, more information there. A great article. Very important information. Also, I encourage y'all to just take time I know that I talked about like take, taking time to be depressed if you need to, need to do that, but also be intentional about taking time to, to feel joy. There have been moments uh, during this pandemic and elsewhere where I have just disconnected. I remember once I took a full weekend and even though I had my phone nearby, I mostly stayed off of social media and I just watched movies and shows all day long that I love and that make me laugh and that make me smile and I can tell y'all it made a huge difference in my mood. Uh, I highly recommend that whatever joy looks like to you, especially if you are black, go go get you some joy. Hang, you know, FaceTime your people that you love the most and that um, you like to talk to the most. Don't don't FaceTime your associates that low-key get on your nerves because they just don't work your nerves. But the people who are your riders, who are down for you the way that you down for them, 
call them, cackle, you know, live it up on there. Have a virtual happy hour. Have a virtual turn up, if you will. I've had a couple of those as well. Um, and just think, you can do it at your house. Can't nobody see you on social media acting a fool. And then when you're ready to pass out, you ain't got to worry about blacking out or, or risking drunk driving or worrying about nobody's Ubers. You can just go from your couch to your bed or your bed to your couch or the floor or wherever you want to sleep because you're at your house. Right? Right. Do that. <laughs> go for walks. Go outside. Let the sun kiss your melanin. Um, get the, the serotonin flowing. Get your endorphins flowing. All those feel-good, happy hormones. Um I know that for me, I came to realize that um, I think a lot of the reason why some of us are struggling with our mental health or just moods in general is because a lot of the things we, we're used to doing to get joy are closed. Like for me, one of my favorite activities when I'm having a tough time, whether I've had a tough week or whatever, I like to decompress by going to movies. I love to go to the movie theater. I love the movie watching experience. I love to go show up to this place with the plush seats and the huge screen, get my hot popcorn with extra butter with a Coca-Cola, sit down, watch my movie, have a grand old time and come home. I love it. The last movie I saw in a theater was The Photograph. And y'all know how long ago that came out. It came out around Valentine's Day, I believe. Um, that was the last movie I saw at a theater. I've been dying to go to somebody's movies. But we can't do that right now. So instead, what I've been doing is get my little popcorn bucket at home. I make me some stove, some popcorn on the stove. It still kind of tastes like the movies. And I watch movies at home. Turn off all the lights and try to make it feel like that activity, even though it's a little different. Um, but whatever your favorite activities are, if they're closed, try to find creative ways to do the things that you enjoy. Because I think that that's what's got a lot of us hemmed up is... You know, we're struggling with just constantly having an overload of information thrown at us and overload of trauma and loss and sadness and just uh, even anger thrown at us. We're tired of seeing images of people that look like us gunned down by people who are supposed to protect us. We're tired of arguing with these white people about why we're human beings and deserve to be treated as such. We are just tired of trying to advocate and argue and convince people of our humanity, uh, which is it's just absurd that any group of people should have to do that. Um, but it's something that we've been doing for generations, right? Nobody's surprised that we have to do it. it it's just, it comes with the territory. Um, but I do, I'm hopeful because it seems like we now have some generations of people who we're just tired. You know, I live in the in the city where Breonna Taylor was murdered uh, way back in March. It is now September, just about we're, we're about to go into September. None of her murderers have been arrested. Only one of them was fired. He quickly fled and bought a house and moved somewhere outside Cincinnati. Would not be surprised if he goes and gets another law enforcement job in one of these counties or something like that, because that's what a lot of these folks do. Um but her killers are still roaming free in this city where I live. I am going to be 26 in a matter of months. And Brianna was 26 when she was killed in her house. When the news of her murder first broke, um, I can't tell y'all how many times I sat up in the middle of the night looking at the window next to my bed to see if somebody was standing outside. Because it just troubled me to think that this black woman 
working citizen in this city, active citizen in this city, trying to do her best, show up to her job, help people in the midst of the pandemic, go home, get some rest with her boyfriend to get up and do it all over again. They came in her house and they killed her. And it's not okay. There is no justification that can be made for that woman losing her life. There's no justification that can be made for Ahmaud Arbery losing his life or George Floyd or um, God, there's so many names. It's a shame that there are so many names that I can't keep up with all of them. Um, and I know that y'all know what I'm talking about. There, it's ha It happens so frequently that in some ways people are becoming numb to it. But at the same time, I'm very encouraged by the, the youth and the young people and those who have been protesting all of these months relentlessly and will continue to do so because they believe in the cause and they believe in fighting for it, whatever that means and whatever that looks like. And I will be quite honest, y'all. I know that I'm not the only 20-something whose militant side has come out in all of this. Um, you know, I just, I don't condone theft. I don't condone mindless um, destruction or any of those types of things. But instead of focusing on those things as a scapegoat to the actual issues, I'm going to take a moment to acknowledge why people have acted that way. So many people on these, um, you know, news pages and in the comments behind their keyboards and their screens where they're not in your face. So they feel empowered to say these stupid things that they would never say in front of another person. Um, they want to focus on the behavior. Well, people will take your little movement more seriously if y'all did X, Y, and Z. Or people will take y'all more seriously if y'all didn't kill each other. Or if y'all didn't do this. Or if y'all didn't do that. Or if y'all made it respectable. Or if you protested like real protests. What is a real protest, first of all? <laughs> Please let me know what a real protest is. Because the last time I checked, the birth of protest in America involved uh, people dressing up as a whole group of indigenous people. Offensive. Uh, jumping onto a British boat and destroying property in the form of tea and throwing it overboard so that it was uh, a financial loss to the merchants who were going to, you know, go sell it. So please let me know and point me in the direction of where protest has ever been cute. Please let me know when effective demonstration has ever been a, a nicely pretty packaged thing. It's not. Protest is, it makes people uncomfortable. That's the point. There will never be change if we stayed in our comfort zone. And for oppressors who live very comfortably because of the oppression inflicted upon groups like us and others, um, we we got to shake shit up a little bit to get, get you know, y'all moving. So <laughs> I don't condone, like I said, just mindless going out and being destructive for no reason. But I also understand that people are upset. People are mad. People have felt voiceless for so long and invisible and like their their wants and needs didn't matter. Then now it's personified itself in the forms of people acting out. And yes, you do have some people who come from other areas and pose like they're protesters or they blend in with the group so that the group gets blamed. And then they go carry out some of these atrocities and crazy acts um, to try to deflect from the movement. That happens in every social movement, too. There's a movie that's going to come out soon about Fred Hampton, who was a Black Panther. Um, he, The reason that he died is because somebody in the circle was, was, was an informant for police and ultimately helped 
create the setup that got him killed. There is, there are, are people like that in every movement. There are people who show up to pretend like they're here for the cause and they're here for totally different reasons. So let's not become distracted by that BS. Let's stay um, committed to the issues and committed to fully understanding why people are upset and why people are acting the way that they're acting. That's what happens when you have generations of people who have been repressed. I mean, there's no other way to put it. That's what it is. Um, my last thing on this subject is black people who are listening, listen up. I know I've been rambling for a while, but come back. Come back with me. Find your way back in the words of Beyonce. I didn't say nothing about black is king. We'll get to that at a different time. Um, beautiful gowns, amazing piece of work. Y'all know I stand. Anyways, um, black people. While we are in this period of revolution, I, I want to encourage y'all to make very conscious steps to recognize your own bias toward each other. For my educated Black people, my fellow college-educated people, sometimes we can unintentionally have an aura about us that suggests that we feel like we're better or that we feel like our perspective is more important or more valid than our brothers and sisters who did not go to college uh, just because we are quote unquote educated. We've been educated. We are enlightened. We've learned about all these big words and these nuances and all of these societal issues and things and, and the underlying um, events that create them. And yes, that knowledge is important. All those things are great. But we need not close out our brothers and sisters who don't have our same experience or our brothers and sisters who weren't interested in pursuing the path that we did or the ones who were interested but didn't get to for one reason or another. Life happens. Those of us who did go that route and, you know, those of us who come from neighborhoods um, that don't necessarily align with where we live now or how we live now, we, we quote unquote made it out. But let's not leave our other brothers and sisters behind. And I don't want to see us as Black people focus so much on our differences that we are not able to unify. I was just talking to my cousin about this tonight. Um, I was telling him that our grandmother and I had a conversation the other day. My grandmother is very old school and she has very strong opinions that she's not always willing to bend on or uh, be open to changing with new information. And she and I were talking about privilege. My grandmother is very much of the mindset that privilege is, is synonymous with white privilege. And I was trying to explain to her that white privilege, yes, it's a very powerful thing, but it, it is its own thing. As black people, we have levels of privilege, too. Those of us who are educated at certain schools have privilege. Those of us whose parents are business owners have privilege. Those of us who have some sort of exposure to travel are privileged. Those of us who have, even if our parents weren't business owners, but we've been in proximity with somebody who owned their own hustle and owned their own thing or ran their own ship. Excuse me. All of those things are various points of privilege. Those of us who grew up with a roof over our head, privilege. Those those who never walked home or those who never went into their house to find the lights cut off, that's privilege. Those who don't know what, a, how, what it's like to eat a struggle meal, privilege. All of these small things, 
um, which many of us have either a lot of those experiences or a collection of some of them. My point is that we live at a pit, we're living in a pivotal time, a pivotal moment that could make or break us as a country. Um, but I also think in terms of a, it, as a community, um, we are a, a very huge moment. Are we going to come together, erase the lines of division amongst ourselves, erase the things that our oppressors taught us to hate about each other and resent about each other so that we wouldn't unify? Are we going to keep going along with that facade or are we going to finally put those things to the side, look at our brothers and sisters from different areas, different backgrounds and say, hey, I don't want to argue about how you say, see things and how I see things. I don't want to argue about how I think you should live your life or what I think you should do to improve your situation or what you feel about me and my life and my situation. I don't want to argue about none of that, brother or sister. What I want to do is talk about what value you have from your experience. What, what things do you have from your experience that can help us? What things do I have from my experience that can help us? And how can we both bring those things together so that we can unify and create the change that we want to see? Those are the conversations that I am interested in having because I am done and I am tired of closing people out because they didn't go to school or because their path and their journey didn't look like mine or because they come from families that have lived in the same area of town for generations. Um, cause let's be honest, y'all, if we want to really go there on today, when we look at cities like mine, Louisville, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky is one of the most segregated cities in the United States, yet it boasts a, um, sentiment as though it's so progressive. It is social, socially progressive in some fronts, but when it comes to the matter of race, it is still very much stagnant. Progress is very slow. Uh, if there is any progress at all, barely. In this city, you see a disproportion of demographics in various areas. Uh, in some areas, they are predominantly white and more affluent. In other areas where there are food deserts, they are more black and brown, mostly black, to be quite honest. There is a reason for that. It was designed that way. Redlining is a thing. Gerrymandering is a thing. If you don't know these terms, I encourage you to look them up. Um, we have had people who were driven into certain areas of town away from others. Uh, they were told, you know, if you, the more babies you have, the more money you get to survive. You get to live in this area with low to no rent or whatever. Um, but here's the catch. You cannot work and you also cannot have a male in the household or else all that gets cut off in your own skid row. So in many places here and other places in America, we have that system uh, coupled with an influx of drugs, alcohol, negative influences in the areas with very few resources, but lots and lots of police. So we're going to put all these negative things around you. We're going to put you in a situation of desperation to where you're fighting with each other over things that really don't matter, but they're the only things you have to hold on to. And then we're going to uh, punish you for acting accordingly. To my educated brothers and sisters, it's time for us to stop standing on a high horse and it's time to see each other as equals. Just because somebody comes from a background where their family has been victim to those various systemic things that I just talked about, that's not their fault. And what 
the passing of Chadwick and so many of the other things we've seen in the past couple of months has taught me is that we need to learn how to be kind to one another. We need to learn how to be empathetic towards one another in our situations because you don't know what somebody's going through unless you walk a day in their shoes. And so I'm tired of um, in conversations with elders, especially And I think that as young people, we are more understanding of each other because a lot of us who did go to college, especially in the past 10, uh, 15 years or so, we've had friends from the neighborhood that didn't follow the same trajectory that we did. And we're still friends with them, but we live very different lives now. I think that we are more receptive and understanding of that. But I also don't want us to pity them either. Um, I think that we need to make very conscious steps to see the value in each other and see the value in the diversity of the Black experience and use those things, harness them, because they're really gifts. You know, people who have had to scratch and survive got a resilience unmatched. And no matter where they end up in life, they got some resilience. They, they're they crafty. They are resourceful. When you got to make something out of nothing, you know how to do that in all facets of life not just in survival. I think that skills like that are very important when it comes to protest. I think that skills like that are very important when it comes to mobilizing as a united front. And I really hope and pray that we learn how to look at each other in that way, look at each other through that lens and stop focusing on things that don't matter. Like, oh, so-and-so think they all that because they they can use big words (laughs) or whatever. Um, they could write a little bit, they could speak a little bit, so they think they need to lead. Let's not even fight over leadership. Just just focus on coming together. Bring what you got to the table. I'm going to bring what I got to the table. We're going to put it together, see how we can make it melt together the best, and figure out you know, how to put that toward our strategy of what we want to see. Um, as always, I'm going to go ahead and close this out here in a minute because I know we're getting a little lengthy, a little long. But thoughts, prayers, positive energy to every family, every friend, every loved one, every associate and person who has been familiar with someone uh, who has been impacted by police violence. Um, Prayers to all of you, all of you, every single one of you who has been out on those front lines, especially here in my hometown for the past three months. Y'all have been out there daily in these streets, protesting, demonstrating, chanting, shouting, trying to feed the West, trying to fill in the gaps where the city has failed to act, demanding justice for Breonna Taylor, demanding justice for Kenneth Walker. Um, I commend y'all. I do. And for the activists who have not been able to be on those front lines in one way or another, I applaud all of you for noticing that activism has many lanes. The people who cook the meals for the activists that are on the front lines are just as important as the people making the signs. They're just as as important as the people making the calls to get city permits for stuff. They're just as important as the people on the phone lines contacting state and local representatives and all of these um, other folks who have the pull to get justice for Brianna, but who are currently not acting. Um, I commend y'all. I respect you more than I could ever say. I love y'all. I am with y'all. I want everybody to be safe. Be careful. Make sure you stay wearing your mask. Make sure y'all got the hand sanitizer on deck. I don't need to tell y'all that because 
I know that the seasoned organizers who are listening to this are like, girl, we got that covered. But for the people who are new to protest, for the people who this season has brought you into activism in a new uh, form that you've never experienced before, make sure that you're also being safe and responsible. Take those trainings so that you know what to do when you're faced with police presence so that you know the laws and when what's within and outside the law as um, it relates to your action or reaction to being approached by police. Because I know, like y'all know, um, LMPD and other officers and police departments across America, uh, they would like us to believe that Black Lives Matter and affiliated or similar uh, organizations are just causing trouble and that every act of police violence is justified or it's in reaction to something that was done to them first. And we all know that that's not always the case. We all remember those videos of the police showing up downtown at Jefferson Square um, earlier this summer, smashing cases of water that had been donated for the demonstrators. And, you know, just them tear gassing people for no reason. The SWAT team coming out for unarmed people it's just it's a mess it is a mess out here so be careful um if you see some youth in your life acting out say something address them while they're young pour into them what was poured into you um even if you didn't have a lot of great influences growing up but somehow some way you grew up and you saw the light and you improved your situation, you improved yourself, you got better, and you act differently now, make sure that you sow into the young people in your community. Make sure that you reach them, that you love on them, that you tell them they're worthy, that you tell them they're beautiful, that you tell them they're they're capable of anything that they want to do. Because in a city like ours, the youth that are acting out, a lot of times when youth act out, it's really a cry for help. They're acting out, but children act out, period, when they need attention because they're willing to do anything to get attention. And so some kids act out cause just because they don't know any better. It's a lot. I'm not going to sit here and try to pack it, compartmentalize it into like two or three different categories because I know that there are a lot of different people going through a lot of different things. Children see a lot of shit that they shouldn't see sometimes or they just deal with very advanced um challenges that they have to overcome and it forces them to grow up faster than than we would like for them to regardless if you see something say something love on these babies so that they can love themselves and then in turn love each other that's a lot of the problem out here too um i know that every time i leave the house my mom was like christian be careful because you know they carjack in and i'm just like girl i know but at the same time can we talk about why that is <laughs> You know, I'm very much a wide person. I don't just want to talk about people's actions, um, whether they're bad or good. I want to talk about why they're motivated to act the way they do. And I think that for a lot of our youth, uh, so many of them are becoming engaged with the political process and with the social um, justice process and, you know, all that's, that's happening around those subjects right now. But there's still so many of them that we still need to reach. So I challenge each of you listening to this, when you see, especially especially if you are black or brown, if you see a child in your community that looks like you acting up, say something nice to them. 
just trying to make them feel good. Not all of them will be receptive to it because not all of them have been taught how to be receptive to it. But kindness goes a long way. And I think if it's one thing we can all agree on right now is that we could send a little love each other's way whenever we can and however we can. You know, if you see some kids, you you in the drive through at McDonald's and you see some kids just hanging out, but they ain't got nothing to eat. Hey, y'all hungry? It's that small. And y'all don't realize how monument, monumental small acts like that are for kids and young people. So once again, to my fellow college grads, we have a responsibility to give back. We have a responsibility to pour back into the children who are in our old neighborhoods or in the areas where we grew up. We have a responsibility to pour into them all of the gems that have been poured into us. Because what I want to see is the next generation do even better than us and the generation after them to do better than them. I want us to keep improving upon ourselves. So I challenge y'all to do what you can. Be active in the same breath that you're an activist. Also be actively engaged with the youth Um, because they need to see us. They need to see examples of what they can be, what they can aspire to be. Um, cause they're brilliant. And I think that some of them just need to be around people who can make them realize and believe it. All right, y'all. It's been a long episode. I'm sorry. I've been away so long. Um, I don't know how long my little hiatus is going to last, but I hope that y'all will be patient with me. Continue rocking with me. Thank you for everybody who follows me on Instagram, um, at the culture queen. There's also a separate Instagram page for the podcast. It's at culturecompod. Um, you'll see the podcast logo and yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me for another episode of culture commentary. I'll be back with y'all soon. Everybody stay safe, love on each other. And I love you. Bye. Hey there, Culture Fam. If you love what you heard today, make sure that you rate, comment, and subscribe to the show. Um, follow me on Instagram at the Cultured Queen, all one word, T-H-E-K-U-L-T-U-R-E-D-Q-U-E-E-N. That's the Cultured Queen. Head over to theculturequeen.com to check out previous blog posts and subscribe there. And for any other suggestions, comments, or inquiries, hit me up at theculturequeen at gmail.com. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Peace, blessings, and love to you all. Thanks.